0: How is everyone? Good. Who's finished school? No one? Oh, a couple people? How do you f- 12s feel not having to go back next year? Teagan's excited. How crazy. I remember when all you 12s started coming to youth. It is sad. No, you guys are still around. Alrighty. Well, tonight I want to talk to you, of course, about followers. Um, Who's been enjoying this theme, by the way? I think it's so cool. I love looking at actual, like, real-life people and learning from them. I find it fascinating. But tonight... I, I couldn't pick one, right? I couldn't pick one disciple. And so I want to talk to you tonight about the collective of the disciples, right? I want to talk to you about a bunch of them and how we fit into this bunch of them. Um, so, but, you know, just backtrack a little bit in case people don't know. Hang on one second. Okay, so basically Jesus comes to earth in the form of a baby, which we'll be talking about very soon. Um, but Jesus comes to earth as a baby to save the world so that no one should die and not enter eternity with the Father. And so he comes to earth, and then he gets a bit older, he becomes a man, and he chooses people to be his a circle to be the people that establish what he's trying to establish to be his team to be his strength in his humanity to be alongside him to be teachers with him to encourage people with him and so he picks these people he picks the best of the best actually he didn't at all he picks the nobodies, he picks the criminals, he picks people that are a little bit obscure, is there any obscure people? (laughs) Yeah. He picks a few obscure men and these guys, they turn out to do amazing things, right? But just starting at the beginning, I'll give you a little recap of this group of misfits, right? There's, first of all, um, Andrew, who we heard Pastor John speak about a couple weeks ago. And his kind of main thing that he's known for is bringing other people to Jesus. He brought his brother to Jesus, and he just kept bringing people um, to meet with Jesus, which is really cool. So that's that's Andrew. That's what we know him for. Um, And then we have Bart, good old Bart, or Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, right? And he is probably—we don't know too much about him— But we know that he became a missionary, and we know that he was potentially the only one that came from royal blood initially. Um, So we don't know too much about him. And then we have, um, there's a couple of Jameses. We have James the Elder, um, who was John's brother. Um, We all know John quite well, um, actually, but he was John's brother. He was um, part of Jesus' inner circle as well so jesus i mean he loved them all equally right but he had his best three friends his best three supporters and he was one of them and then there was there was john who in the gospel of john refers to himself as the disciple that jesus loved you know he calls himself that um which is really cool um but he also him and his brother james they had this nickname the sons of thunder um, because they had a temper and they would t- chuck some tantrums and they were just, they were fiery. They were the sons of thunder. Um, and then there was, there was another James, James the Younger, um, and he was the brother of Jude, and he was also fiery. These are a lot of, like, boisterous, fiery fishermen men. Um, and then, um, of course, we have Jude or Thaddeus, we don't know too much about him either, to be honest, but he was, he was one of the 12. Um, we know Judas. Everyone knows Judas. <laughs> Judas. Um, so, you know, he's the guy that's into money and politics, basically, and he, um, he was the treasurer, and he ended up betraying Jesus. Um, and then we have, who else have we got here? We've got Matthew. Who Grace spoke about a couple of weeks ago, and Judas, she spoke about them both. But um, Matthew, so he was a tax collector, so he was like, he was shunned, you know. Initially, he was seen as a criminal um, before he decided to follow Jesus. Um, then we have Peter, who's at church last Sunday. What a great message that was! That was so good. Um, but Peter, he's this big, br- big, burly, brash guy, um, and he's the leader you know, well, obviously Jesus was the leader, but he was like second in command. He he was the spokesperson. He always had something to say all the time. Um, and then we have Philip, um, and we don't know heaps about Philip either, but we know that he was one of the first ones that Jesus called to be a disciple. Um, we've got Simon the zealot and they were fanatical, reckless kind of people. Um, and then we've got Thomas. Everyone knows Thomas as well. He has a bit of a reputation. You know, he was he was doubtful. He was someone that struggled to believe things without the proof, right? He was a little bit of a pessimist. Um, but there's this, this collection of misfits, right? And the one thing that they had in common was basically that they all made the decision to follow Jesus and not just believe in Jesus, right? They accepted him as a friend and as a teacher and as their savior rather than just accepting him as a man that was prophesied, you know? They knew him personally and they they connected with him. They learned from him. They decided to actually follow him rather than just believe that he was God even, or, you know, that he came to earth to save them. They believed that, but they went further than that. Um, that's the one thing that they had in common. And as I was thinking about these guys today, you know, you, has anyone ever read through the disciples and you think, oh, I think I'm I think I'm a little bit like that guy, and I'm a little bit like that guy, and I have that bad trait of that guy, and I have that good trait of that guy, and I was just thinking about all these people. And... um, <coughs> in some ways, I'm a little bit like Thomas sometimes, right? And not not so much in the doubt part of it, right? Because oh, did, I, did I even say what Thomas was known for? Okay, so anyway, you know, he's the one that, that needed to see Jesus' hands inside to believe that he was raised from the dead. And so sometimes I'm like Thomas, not so much in the doubting, but if you know me, you will know that I'm very much an actions person, right? I'm like, don't tell me things, show me things. If you're trying to teach me something, then let me do it and you look over my shoulder and tell me how to do it. You know, I I, like, I'm a hands-on learner, right? And I just prefer actions. I don't, you know, words are nice and pretty and yeah, whatever. But I want to see actions of things. Has anyone heard the saying, the proof is in the pudding? The proof, the proof is in the pudding, you know. And basically, what that saying means is that you don't know if the pudding's good or bad without tasting it, right? You don't know the truth about something unless you actually engage with that thing, right? And so, you know, just to just to make it a bit easier to understand. You know, you can't know something about something without engaging with it. Okay, so, you know, you don't know that something is delicious unless you actually pick up the spoon and dive into it and eat it. You know, Hamish can tell me that he's a really good dancer, right? But I don't know that unless he physically gets up and shows me that he's a good dancer. You know? (laughs) <laughs> all right all right go go for it he can't resist he can't resist <laughs> all right or you know another example so um you know grace can tell me that she makes really good chicken and leek pie right but I don't know that unless she cooks me a chicken and leek pie and I eat it right right And, you know, while as Christians, you know, you're like, oh, what about faith? We shouldn't have to know everything. Yeah, that's right. We don't have to know everything. But not everyone is a Christian. And so if we go down this mindset, right, I can tell people that I'm a Christian. I can tell people that I love Jesus. I can tell people that I follow Jesus. I can tell people that he's been good to me. I can tell people that he has changed my life but they're not going to know for sure unless I show them in how I live my life. They're not going to know for sure unless I choose to be a disciple and act out what I believe rather than tell people what I believe. And that's the difference between being a believer and being a disciple is your actions. It's what you do. It's not what you say. It's not praying a really nice prayer at your Christian high school and then actually not understanding what any of it means and, and, you know, not actually having quiet time with God. You know, it's the difference between what we say and what we believe outwardly. Even if we believe in our heart, that's great. That's step one. But it's how we live that really counts. It's how we live that really counts. And so... I just want to keep it really simple tonight and just say that, you know, a believer knows what they believe, but a disciple lives what they believe. We talked about this before the service tonight. The proof is in the pudding. Write that in your notes. The proof is in the pudding. And let that remind you that the way you live is the proof to other people that God is real, not what you say. You know, the... The Bible puts it like this in John 13, verse 35. It says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Or in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So... It's all good in theory, right? And we know that that's what we're supposed to do. But how do we actually imitate Christ? And how do we be like Jesus? And how do we love people like it talked about? How do we show people the difference that Jesus makes in our life? How do we be a disciple and show love like Jesus did? And Jesus tells us himself, right? And this is what I want to really focus in on tonight is in Luke chapter 9, verse 24. A simple verse that says so, so much. But it says this, it says, He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. When I was in youth, I heard a sermon on this same verse, and I had always wondered what it actually meant by take up your cross. Like that can be a kind of confusing thing to understand. Um, (coughs) But basically, all it's saying is, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to live a daily life of sacrifice. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to take the hard road. You have to head up the hill. You have to carry the weight. You have to carry the burdens. take up your cross and follow me that's what it's saying take up your sacrifices and to just to help explain that a little bit when um we moved into the house that we're in now a couple of years ago my mom my mom loves her garden right and um she used to grow um sweet peas little flowers anyone seen them before They kind of grow on this like metal cone thing up like a Christmas tree. And they smell really nice and they're really pretty and you know, they kind of have these green bits that go off everywhere and they're just nice, right? But the thing about a sweet pea is that it looks beautiful. You know, everyone enjoys it. It looks amazing, it's living a great life. But the special thing about this is that it doesn't last forever and it dies. And it's it's sad, it kind of doesn't look so pretty anymore. It's kind of green and brown and yellow and murky and crusty and doesn't smell so good anymore. But what happens after this thing dies is myself and Mum and Grace would go over to the bush and we'd peel off all the old plants and you open up these little plants and inside are all the seeds. And so what we'd do is we would crack open all these shells and we'd peel out all the seeds and would save them for a little while. And then the next season we'd go out to the same pot and we'd plant them again on the outside of our Christmas tree cone thing. And they would grow even bigger, even stronger, even better than the year before. And so... That's kind of what this scripture is saying. You know, it's saying take up your cross daily. Be prepared to die because in God's economy, death equals life in every situation. You see, Jesus died and was raised to life again. And we were dead in sin, the Bible says. And because Jesus died, we are raised to life again. And so now that we're Christians and we're raised to life, what Jesus asks us to do is not just live pretty like this sweet pea bush, but he actually wants us to make the decision to die to ourselves, to be selfless, to be sacrificial, to take the hard road, to take the uphill battle, and to die to ourselves, so that we can then become the seed for someone else if we die to our selfishness and show someone love then they catch a glimpse of that love and it becomes a seed in their life why did that why did Meg be so nice to me you know when she could have easily just brushed me aside and gotten on with her work why did she take that extra 10 minutes to teach me that thing Wow, that's different. You know, or why did, why did that person help me get home? You know, why did that person help me when I was sick at school? That's odd. That's a little bit different. I wonder why they do that. I wonder why they did that. That's the seed. Your time and your effort and your cost and your finances, whatever it is that you have to let go of, become a seed for someone else to know Jesus. That's pretty cool. You know, these disciples that I talked about before, they lived great lives. They did amazing things. They were all missionaries. You know, they all played such a big part. The reason that we're in church tonight stems back to these guys, you know, changed history through what they learned through Jesus and then His Holy Spirit. You know, when he went up to heaven. But you know what? It cost them greatly. It cost them greatly. Uh, just listen to this. In the end, like, Andrew that we talked about, he was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Because he, he didn't feel worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus. And so he asked to be crucified on an X-shaped cross. And then Bartholomew, he was flayed apart with knives, he was murdered. James the Elder was the first one of them that was martyred or killed for his faith. And it goes on James was sawn into pieces. John was the only one that died of natural causes. The only one. Judas, we know, hung himself. Jude or Thaddeus was killed with arrows. Matthew was martyred. Peter was crucified upside down on a cross once again because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus. Philip died by being hung and he asked that his body not be wrapped in linen once again because Jesus was and he wasn't worthy of that treatment. Simon died a martyr and Thomas was killed with a spear. Pretty heavy stuff and I don't tell you this tonight to scare you or to put a downer on things at all but... I tell you this because these people paid with their lives.